Well, we are starting this year, this new year, with a sermon series entitled, Have a Better Year. And today's topic is, Have a Better Year by Abiding in Christ. And Pastor Chuck was wise to include this topic in our series, for abiding in Christ is absolutely essential for every follower of Jesus. And what will make this coming year significant, what will make this coming year better, has nothing to do with our circumstances, but has everything to do with our experience of and our obedience to God. And these will happen in our lives only as we abide in Christ through the gospel of grace. Now, if you're like me, when I think of the topic of abiding, I immediately go to John 15. And as a fellowship, we have studied that passage on a number of occasions. So instead of going to John 15, and John 15 would have been worthy of our discussion and worthy of looking at again, but instead, to explore what abiding in Christ looks like and how we do it in our lives today, I will be using Psalm 63. And just as Pastor Chuck last week used David, we're going to use the life of David again this week to learn from his spiritual walk. Now it needs to be said, and it's very clear, and it's also very obvious, that David did not abide in Christ like we do, or like we can. For Because Christ hadn't come yet. Christ was still promised. He hadn't come yet when David lived. But David walked with God. David believed God's promises. David was a man of faith. David was one of God's children. We can learn from his example. Before we turn to Psalm 63... At every meeting such as this one, where topics of faith, where people gather in the name of Jesus, where we talk about spiritual truth, where we talk about things like abiding in Christ, or issues of the soul. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about issues of the soul, right? that precious jewel, that eternal thing that's in each one of us. We're talking about those things today. At any such meeting as this, there are usually five types of people who have gathered. So I ask each and every one of us here, and those maybe who are online watching, we've come to this time of looking at God's word, five Types of people. Which one of these are you? First, there's the uninterested. They're here for many, many reasons, maybe, but really they're not interested. It's, this isn't for me. It might be fine for you, but it's not for me. I, I'm just here maybe because I have to be. A second group are are seekers. 
seekers, those wondering about Jesus. Those maybe beginning to think about Jesus, they're inquiring, they're searching. A third group is those that are here in name only. They maybe are a Christian, but in name only, if that's even possible. In name only, like the five foolish virgins in Matthew 25, who came to the wedding feast unprepared. They were there for the party. They were there for the event. They were not truly committed. Or another group are those keeping a distance. Like Peter at the trial of Jesus, keeping your distance. You're not all in. You're the one controlling the, the depths of your devotion, of your obedience, of your involvement. Keeping a distance. And number five, those all in. Those who are described by Murdoch Campbell as those who in storm or sunshine cleave to God and enjoy daily communion with him. I ask, which, which of those five, which one are you? I suppose you might say there's a sixth category, and that's the category of those who are convinced there has to be more than just five categories. <laughs> but with all of my heart, I ask, which one are you? Why are you here today? What's the condition of your heart? Oh, today, would you open your heart and your mind and your soul to the truth of God's word as we look at Psalm 63? Would you desire, and maybe it's even just the beginning of desire, would you begin to want to take steps forward in abiding in Christ? And I will say to you that there is no way you could want this for yourself more than God desires you to have it. God knows this is exactly what you need. This is exactly what will make your life all that it is meant to be. And I would say it is what you were created for. And certainly it is how we're going to have a better year as we walk in God and abide in Christ. Would you pray as we begin to look at Psalm 63? Father, I, I ask that you would teach us, Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, you know the conditions of our heart, our minds, Father, our souls just now. Oh, Father, would you by, would you by your grace uh, reach in? and Father, with every ounce of us, Lord, may we can just reach out. And Father, we want what you have to say to us. Lord, help us as we look at Psalm 63. In Christ's name, amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Psalm 63. We, opened it, we read it earlier together. We're going to look at mostly at verses 1 through 8. In my Bible, Psalm 63 is subtitled, The Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Yours probably says something like that too. Most likely, this was during the rebellion of his son Absalom. 
It's recorded for us in 2 Samuel 15, when David and his loyal ones had to flee Jerusalem and go to the wilderness because Absalom, the son of David, wanted to take David's life and set himself up as king. And as a result, David was not where he wanted to be. His life had tr drastically changed. His privileges and his rights had been taken from him. And in the midst of all of that, he cries out to God. And we have that recorded for us in Psalm 63. And for David, his circumstances heightened his desire for God. We all, in much lesser ways, may identify with David today. And as David took this wilderness experience in his life and transformed it into a worship experience, may we, here in the beginning of 2021, May we take our COVID experience and, and right turn it into a clinging experience. May this new year turn into new yearning for us. Let's look at Psalm 63. Where does David begin? And so I want to take this and I want it to help us understand what it looks like to abide in Christ. Where does David begin? Look at verse 1. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Number one here, as we abide in Christ, we seek after God, we thirst for God. I like what Spurgeon writes about this. Here's David in the wilderness, and, and, he, and he, there's desert all around him, Spurgeon said. There's desert, there's desertion, there's everything all around him, but there's not a desert in his heart because he thirsted after God. He's seeking after God. And look how he starts. Oh God, you are my God. Can you say that today? I think we all can say, oh God, you are a God. Or even you are God. But can you say, God, you are my God? It's not just theoretical for David. And it can't just be theoretical for us. David knew God personally. Well, when we abide in Christ, we seek after God. We thirst after him. And this thirsting, this seeking, is an intense devotion. It is an all-encompassing devotion. And I confess that for far too long, I considered that if I had my daily devotions and if I prayed a little, well, that meant I was seeking after God and I thirsted for him. And oh Lord, you desire so much more. Oh Lord, my desire, our desire has to be so much more. I'm sure most of us have run across a small child 
who has been separated from their parent. Maybe at the mall or at a sports event or something like that. And there they are, this little one. They're either desperately running here and there or they're standing in one spot. They're crying and they're frightened and they're thoroughly exhausted. They have one thing on their mind. They have an intense and all-encompassing longing for their parent, right? Have you seen that? Do you remember being that as a child? Longing for their parent. Do we have this longing for God? Do we have this yearning, this thirsting, this seeking in our relationship with God? Those who abide in Christ will. Listen to what A.W. Tozer has written in his book, The Pursuit of God. He writes this, Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long seeking. And then Tozer writes, Complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. Follower of Jesus... Are we abiding in Christ? Does that just kind of ring in our hearts? Is there something that says in our hearts and our minds and our souls that there's more? There's more to know about God. There's more to know about the gospel. There's more to know about the scriptures. There's more to experience of all of these things. And we hunger and we thirst for them. You know, this doesn't mean, uh, boy, just don't hear me here. This doesn't mean that we have to all, you know, separate ourselves. We ought to live like a monk in some solitary life. And all we ever are is just me and God and I seclude myself away. doesn't mean that at all. Instead, it means that we bring God into everything that we do. And we seek and we thirst after God in every single element of our lives. Well, number two, as we're going through this Psalm 63 and looking at the life of David, when we today abide in Christ, we worship God. Listen as I read verses 2 to 4. And as I read, would you listen for the seeking, the finding, and the worshiping? Verses 2 through 4 of Psalm 63. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Seeking, finding, and worshiping. All throughout Scripture, we're told that if we seek Him, we will find Him. If we seek Him with our whole hearts, thirsting, we will find Him. And finding God, think of that, finding God. 
being in Christ. Being adopted into God's family. Being restored into relationship with God through grace and through the work of Jesus on the cross. Seeking and then finding. And the outcome of that is worship. And I really like as I read these verses, in fact, a lot of the verses here in 60, Psalm 63 is that worship involves every part of us, right? In verse 2, what you, I have looked upon you with my, with my eyes I worship. Did you know that our eyes have been given us as a sense to help us worship? In verse 3, what he says, my lips will praise you. My lips... Verse 4, I lift up my hands. Our hands have been given us to worship God. And I know as a fellowship we're so hesitant to raise our hands. Some of us are. And, and, you know, it'd be worthy of us to do a study in Scripture about lifting up our hands in worship to the Lord. Not only just all the things that we do, but also in our actual corporate worship. Verse 5, it talks about my soul will be satisfied in you. So our souls, our worship involves our very souls. And my mouth with joyful words and joyful lips, the words that come out of my lips, my mouth. Verse 6, when I remember our memories, our memories, those things that are up in there, are to be used as worship. And I meditate on you, verse 6, our thoughts. All of our bodies, all of everything that encompasses us to be a part of, of worshiping the Lord. Worship, recognizing God for who he is and praising him, responding to him, loving him. In the night, and we'll look at this in a little bit, in the night, on our beds, in the day, on Sunday, on every day, continually, in all things, we are to worship God. Those who abide in Christ will be worshipers. Thirdly, what do we see here in Psalm 63? When we abide in Christ, we are satisfied with God. Listen as I read verse 5. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You know, another way of outlining Psalm 63 is to look at verses 1 through 4 and label them longing. And verses 5 through 7 labeling them possessing. And longing necessarily leads and hopefully leads to possessing. It really happens for that in everything in life. I can remember back in the day when what I longed for was just to have a car that wasn't all rusty. Or I longed for a car, some of my early cars didn't even have, had holes in the floorboards. And when I'd go through puddles, the water would come up through the floorboards. And I longed to have a car that just had floorboards, right? And that day has come and I possess nice cars. 
Or I can remember all the days, the long years of longing to own my own home. And Linda and I have great stories, if you want to call them great, of the apartments we lived in or the rented houses that we lived in. And now we own our home. And we're thankful for that. We longed for it, and now we possess it. But here, this third point, we're not just talking about possessing. We're talking about being satisfied. And possessing, there's longing and then there's possessing. And possessing doesn't always bring about being satisfied, right? Because sure, I I drive nice cars, but that doesn't satisfy me. I I don't. I own my own home. There's satisfaction in that, but that doesn't satisfy my soul. Listen to Spurgeon again. Spurgeon wrote this about, uh, or spoke this and was recorded when he was speaking on this passage of Scripture. Our misery is that we thirst and long for the mocking trifles of time and sense and so little for God and his sublime and eternal things. The things of time and sense will not satisfy you Those things of time and sense will not satisfy me. They won't satisfy us. Only God will satisfy. And I think in this passage and in these concepts, there's an infinite circle here. The person who thirsts for God will receive him and be satisfied in him. And then receiving him and being satisfied in him will, will then cause him to thirst for more of him. It's just this infinite, interesting, intense circle. We hunger for God. We thirst after him. And then we possess him through Christ and through grace. And there's great satisfaction in that. And then we desire more. We want more of God. We know how limited our minds are and our understanding is. And and so we want more. Would you hear me in this? God never designed us nor intended that one experience with Christ removes all future desire for him. That one act of faith, that that step of receiving Christ as Savior and Lord, yes, it, it changes our eternal destiny. It causes us to be saved and born again. It causes us to be adopted into his family. But if that one simple act of faith was authentic, that one act starts a life journey of longing for more and possessing more. And from that possessing, longing for even more of grace and of God God and his character and of his truth. Brother Lawrence was a a monk of the 1600s, a spirit-filled monk. And he wrote this great little book, The Practice of the Presence. And he wrote this in there. Don't be discouraged if you find this hard to do, this longing after God and wanting more. He says, don't be discouraged if you find this hard to do. If you just try it a little, you will consider it wasted time. Stick to it. Resolve to persevere in it. 
until the day you die, no matter what. That's those who abide in Christ. That's those who hunger and thirst and are satisfied. They seek after God every day. Read the scriptures. Search them out. Seek after him in the scriptures, in your experience of this creation, and the experiences we have as a church, in our worship together. You know, this isn't for unbelievers. This isn't something that an unbeliever can ever do because an unbeliever is dead in their sin. But this is for believers. To seek after and find and possess and hunger and find our satisfaction, our contentment in God. And in Psalm 63, just as you kind of look at it as a whole, Psalm 6, those satisfied with God and in God, in verses 5, 7, and 11, we see there will be joy. In verses 7 and 8, there will be stability. Those who find their satisfaction in God, there will be st- stability. When everything else is up and down like David in the wilderness, there still will be Stability. And those satisfied with God, we're not looking at them, but in verses 9 through 11, David talks about his perspective. There'll be proper perspective on the issues of our lives. And oh, how we need proper perspective today in these difficult days with hard events. Those satisfied with God and in God will have a proper perspective. Well, number four, as we go to verses six and seven of Psalm 63, when we abide in Christ, we remember God. Kind of mentioned this already, but look at verses six and seven. And as I read this, would you note the security and the protection that we, and the stability that we find in verses six and seven? When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Those who abide in Christ, remember God. There's remembering, there's meditating, and meditating is mulling over it, mulling it over and over in your mind, recalling what God has done in the past, leading to rejoicing and renewing. And trust for the future. And then lastly, when we abide in Christ out of verse 8, we cling to God. Listen as I read verse 8. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. As I was assigned this topic and abiding in Christ, this is the word that brought me to this psalm. This clinging. I started early with the picture of a, of a child separated from their parent, right? Deeply longing, desperately wanting. You know, what happens? What happens when the child and the parent are reunited, right? Have you seen that? 
Have you watched that happen? Have you been a part of that? When they're reunited, what happens? Well, there's an immediate hug, right? There's an immediate full-body hug, and the, and the child jumps into the parent's arms, and there's clasping, and there's refusing to let go, and there's clinging. And this is the word. This is the idea that David speaks about here in verse 8. This Hebrew word is another very strong word. It's used quite often in the Old Testament. It was used in Deuteronomy 2.24 when it talks about a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. That's that same Hebrew word, cling. In Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 through 20, when Moses is calling Israel there at the, at the end of the Exodus and he's calling Israel to choose between life and death. If you choose life, you're going to Love and obey. You're going to love God. You're going to obey God. You're going to cling to God, he says. And then it's used again. Just three of the times it's used, many, many times. In Jeremiah 13, 11, one of Jeremiah the prophet's physical illustrations that he used was in verse 11 here of John 13, for as the loincloth clings to the waist of a man, so I made the whole house of Israel and the, house, the whole house of Judah cling to me, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, a name, a praise, and a glory. But they would not listen. This clinging, abiding, clinging, this constant Contact, as one author said, let, let there be no needless space between you and your master, between you and God. No needless space. Augustine, when he was writing on the idea of abiding in Christ and of, of this clinging, of being in constant contact with Christ, Augustine called this the country of the soul. I invite you again to this country of the soul. It is what the soul was created for. It is what your soul was created for. It is where the soul belongs. It is where the soul truly lives. It is where the soul thrives. Would you look again at verse 8? And I think we misinterpret this verse if we read it to mean that if we cling to God, then he will uphold us. Is that how you, my, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. If you're thinking in your mind that, oh, I need to cling to God, then God's going to uphold me as if I earn this or something or I become worthy of this. We're looking at this verse wrong then. Instead, we cling to God. We continue to cling to God only because God upholds us. Well, again, what does this clinging look like? What does this abiding? Well, it looks like those clinging looks like those who put love for God, 
Those who put knowing God at the very center of their lives. I'm like you. I have a lot of things in my life. But oh, I want God at the center of it, right? What does this clinging look like? It's those who spend consistent time with God through the course of each day and each night, being constantly connected. Yes, devotions are a part of this, but it's not only that. It's constantly connected. Doing everything that we would have done normally for ourselves, doing it is unto the Lord. It is those who integrate God into every area and event of their lives, it is those who bear fruit to God. Well, here's my conclusion. Would you please look at those five elements of abiding in Christ? They emerged out of Psalm 63. They emerged out of the experience of David as he walked with God. Here's what it looks like to abide in Christ. I simply ask you, which of these five do you need to pursue most? It's a a list of five. That's a lot. Is there one that stands out for you? And as we have read Scripture and as we've allowed it to speak to us, and I I pray that the Spirit has been moving in each one of us, what steps will you take? What will you step steps will you take today, tonight, tomorrow, through the course of your days? I say it again, David was in a place he hadn't expected. David was in a place where he certainly didn't want to be. Yet he turned that wilderness experience into a worship experience. Will you turn this COVID experience that we're all in into a clinging experience? Will you turn this new year into new yearning? Oh, Heavenly Father, help us with this. Lord, show us how to do it. Thank you, Father, that you uphold us in it. Lord, we do confess to you that we have settled for so less. Father, we confess to you, we admit to you that we fill our lives being satisfied with all kinds of other things. And we haven't satisfied ourselves in you. Lord, show us how to apply this in each one of our lives. By your spirit, Lord, would you convict us? By your spirit, would you draw us? That through your grace, through the work of Jesus, we might abide in Christ and be satisfied in you. In Christ's name I pray.